evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Roughneck Scarves, and Golden Goal Press. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL tonight, or the USL Championship, rather. Tonight, we're going to recap a very, very big win from last week. Dollar Hot Dog Night brought with it some fireworks and uh, some good, good and bad play all around. We've got a little bit of news we can discuss. Uh, we've we have an interview with Roy Boateng uh, for you, the the currently still rehabbing uh, center back that the Red Bulls drafted in the first round this past offseason. and uh, we'll preview the match against St. Louis FC this coming week. Joe Steen, welcome back to the show. The Red Bulls <laughs> too are on a six game unbeaten streak, including beating the first place Tampa Bay Rowdies this past week. Are we all on cloud nine? Is this uh, as good as it gets this season? Um, I don't think it's as good as it gets because uh, this team's made two D. It's made three D playoff runs the last three years. So um, no, uh, but there was a very good. Jorgensen gets two goals. Uh, I thought he took both of his goals impressively. A great pass from John Token on the second one. Um, I thought Evan Laurel came up huge in this match. Uh, I mean, probably put in his best performance of the season, made some key saves early on and late to preserve the win after uh, Kyle Duncan got sent off. Uh, didn't have his best game, made a couple really poor challenges, which the second one de- uh, got him sent off. Uh, but I really thought this team, this was a complete team effort. Uh, I thought they did a good job neutralizing Tampa Bay for most of the game. And, you know, they kind of sat back in the second half when they went down a man. But I think the most important thing is they kept a clean sheet against one of the more dangerous attacking teams in the league. They did sit back, but they still were finding chances on the other end, which I was really impressed with. Let's let's go down that list. You pretty much hit all of the things that uh, I wanted to bring up, but let's go down uh, the list. Uh, Tampa Bay comes into this match. Obviously, they are in first place. They are controlling their own destiny, and they already have a victory over this Red Bull team this year. But they came into MSU, and their game plan... I think was was well executed. They wanted to keep the ball sort of around the perimeter. They wanted to play physically and kind of disrupt uh, New York's attack. But they were sloppy in the first half, and their turnovers uh, led to both New York Red Bulls' two goals, including the first one, which was just a insanely poorly handled back pass to the keeper, <laughs> which Jorgensen is able to run down and finish. Uh, and the second one, it's just a back line that, that's getting caught. Now, we talked about it before the match, and one of the things that we said on this show was make Tampa Bay defend with the ball on the ground, and you can catch them. When you start just lobbing yep. in crosses, they can stop it. And here they are, blowing it with the ball on the ground. The Red Bulls walk away with three points. <laughs> that, that was exciting. But what did, what did you think in terms of how Tampa Bay approached the match, and do you think it was a mistake uh, to maybe try to be more patient and not as direct as they were down in Tampa Bay. I don't under I didn't really understand it. I mean, the t- way, the way uh, Red Bull two has been given problems this year is playing direct. I mean, whether it's, you know, long balls over the top, they've been set pieces have been really something that's given them trouble a lot. Uh, we didn't Tampa Bay really didn't take advantage of any of them. Um, yeah, it was, it was very weird. I mean, I don't know if it was maybe a personnel thing. Um, I know, when they played down in Tampa Bay, they had Andrew Tunari, who had a huge impact on that first game. They didn't have him this game. Maybe they were missing him. Maybe his, his bite in the midfield and his ability to create. But they really didn't – I mean, late on, they troubled, and they had some good chances. And, you know, Evan came up really big in this game, I think. I don't think he got enough credit for how well he played. But I, it was puzzling. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they tried to, you know – maybe they tried a new tactic. But, you know, the, the way you beat – the way you give Red Bull two problems is playing direct, which they, they seem to not even try in the first half. Yeah, I fully agree. But like you said, a big part of that was Evan Loro and the way that he came up big time and again. Whenever the Red Bulls had a defensive breakdown in this game, and there were a couple, Loro had to make a, yeah. you know, probably four or five big-time saves that kept them in this match. Tampa Bay also uh, wasted a golden opportunity. One of the worst misses I've seen this season – uh, at MSU, I'll, I'll qualify it like that because uh, there was that Nashville. I think it was Nashville miss earlier in the year that was just 
yeah. head scratching. But <laughs> but this one was was real bad. You know, right in front of the net, inside the six yard box, and you put it over. You're not going to win many games when things like that are <laughs> happening to you. Um, what else? Jorgensen, we 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 talked about his goals. His girlfriend was in the stands and her family. We we confirmed it with him afterwards. We saw some folks sitting in the stands wearing Jorgensen jerseys. Uh, th- we asked him about it afterwards, if it was family, if that gave him the, the, the boost for the week. Uh, and he said, you know, it was exciting, but it wasn't on his mind. I think clearly we could see that it was on his mind. This man had a night. Both of the goals really showcased what he does best. I think if you look at his reaction after the second one, the pass from Tolkien, it is a great sign to see how enthusiastic he was uh, to give Tolkien plaudits for his ability to see the pass and measure that pass properly. And overall, uh, it just looks like he's so much more comfortable than he has ever been in the system and with this team. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier in the season, and this is something that I mentioned that it was going to take time for him to grow. And I mean, maybe they try to they tried to force him into the first team too fast. I also think playing with Tom Barlow helped him a little bit this game. Uh, another another uh, forward up, you know, up there with him that could, you know, help take some of the pressure off of him. But you know, this is something we talked about with him. His movement, uh, his movement on the on token on the uh, second goal was great, and token was able to uh, was able to find him with the pass. Uh, and you know. It was a bad back pass, but you have to credit Jurgensen for the hustle and you know the ability to chase down the ball and 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 press the defender into making a mistake, and that's what got him the first goal. Fully agree. And John Tolkien, who who gave him that uh, ball, we've been talking about him a lot over the last couple of weeks because he's been putting in some really nice performances. He had to fill in this week at defensive midfielder. Kyle Zayetz had surgery. I believe it's a broken nose, or maybe it was just some kind of surgery on the nose. He's out for two weeks. Uh, Kofi was missing because of yellow card suspension. And so they were light in that position. Tolkien stepped up and I thought he did a pretty good job considering that he hasn't really played there for this team yet or played there at this level. And, uh, his passing I thought was really nice on the night. I thought maybe there were times where it looked a little bit much for him physically because Tampa Bay is a physically superior side. I think that's pretty well known across the board. Most of the time, teams that come up against New York Red Bulls 2 are going to be physically more imposing just because of the age difference in a lot of cases. Um, but I thought he settled in really nicely, maybe exposed a little bit of his um, his speed. He's not exactly as fast as some of the other fullbacks we've had on the team uh, or midfielders who have played that position. But Overall, I thought it was another really nice showing from a guy who's making a strong case to become the next homegrown player for the Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, what you know, there's not you, you pretty much hit all the nail on the head. I mean, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but his passing is his passing, you know, was so night was so great on the night. And I mean, yeah, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, a lot of teams do physically impose. I mean, he's he's young, he's a young kid, but I mean. I, I really, from when he's came in, he's looked like he belonged, and I would not be surprised to see him get a homegrown contract. For what it's worth, and this could mean nothing. Uh, his his father was in the the uh, in RBA yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, uh, on the weekend watching the game against the Crew. So his father's hanging out around the team. That could be a sign that they're in talks. Uh, to maybe bring him on it could just be that <laughs> he's part of the academy setup and academy parents go all the time but uh just you know something to keep note of guys uh speaking of academy kids bryce lebel gets his second appearance for the team i do not remember his first i apologize bryce it must have been a short cameo uh this time around you know maybe it's a little bit much for him and i think wallenex says as much on the night that it looked like maybe the speed was a little bit much and coming into this type of game might have been a little bit much, but he, he did well. And I thought for the number, you know, you look at the, the, the lineup and you see Kyle Duncan goes out and John Wolinek looks at the bench and says, Academy kid, get in there and do your thing. <laughs> That's really encouraging. Yes. Um, uh, Tolkien went back to left back when that happened, but 
it, it was really nice to see Wallenek again just say, like, sure, we, we are comfortable with our two-goal lead, even though we surrendered a two-goal lead the week before, and we're willing to put an academy kid out there to kind of get the gritty experience that he, it's going to require for him to, to make the next jump. Well, we know how much they, these guys trust. I mean, Molniak and, and his staff trust these academy players. I mean, they basically started a, a lot. They started a lot of them when they went to when they made the trip to uh, Atlanta to go against Atlanta two, Atlanta United two this year. So, I mean, I it, you know he's always talked about it, you know it's development first and then you know the wins come second. I mean, I think it's I, th- I think it's I think it was great of uh, Labelle to get the the experience of a probably red bulls two's most important game on the season so far and get experience of that atmosphere and you know um it would you know, i mean just you know to be able to come into there to be able to, for one like to be able to trust these guys it says a lot about how uh you know how this team operates and how they just don't miss a beat no matter who's on the field yeah fully agree and uh last thing i want to talk about from this match the red card to kyle duncan Watching this play and watching it develop, it looked like it was nothing more than two guys leaning on each other, uh, shoulder-to-shoulder battle on a 50-50 ball. The replay, you see uh, Duncan's arm does come back and strike. I don't remember who was uh, challenging for the ball. Uh, But it doesn't look malicious. It certainly doesn't look like a yellow card. And I was very surprised at this call. I was wondering what, what your thoughts were. Um... It, 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 I guess it's tough to to be able to tell intent in real time, so I could see why the yellow card was given. Um, but I do I think it's a yellow. No, I think it's completely unintentional, and he probably should have probably should have stayed on. You know, stayed on. But he there there was a couple of uh, tackles earlier in the game that I mean he really shouldn't have made that. You know, got him in trouble in the first place. And when you're already on a yellow, the referee, you know, is looking at you like, you know, if you know if there's a questionable challenge, you're you're gonna get sent off, unfortunately. All right, that's a fair take. That's a fair take. I'll give it. Um, okay, so let's talk man of the match. Who you got? Uh, I've got Evan Loro. Um, I thought he came up huge in this game, made some big saves, and definitely put his best performance of the season uh, on in this game. And he got a clean sheet. So, I mean, I'm happy for him to finally be able to get uh, one against a tough opposition. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm looking at this match. I see Jorgensen with his two nice, nice goals. Nicey, nice goals, even. And I'm going to have to agree with you that despite how nice those goals were, despite how nice it was to see his performance uh, you know, throughout the 90, you got to give it to Evan. Without him in net, this might even be a, you know, a 4-2, a 5-2 result. And Tampa Bay walks out of MSU with their first ever win uh, visiting the Red Bulls. So, Evan? Uh, let's stick with, with Matias. Uh, real quick, he was named to the USL Team of the Week for his two-goal performance uh, against Tampa Bay. We are absolutely thrilled to see that, and it's nice that he's also starting to get recognition now uh, from the league. And, you know, don't look now, but he is soaring up those scoring charts. He's he, he's still behind uh, uh, Tom Barlow. He's still behind Jared Stroud, but he's on eight goals for the season. And... If he continues to play there, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't continue scoring. It would be interesting to see him get into the mix. It would be interesting to see him pass Tom <laughs> at some point, uh, considering how well Tom has done for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. All right. Uh, and Matias, I mentioned it before, his girlfriend uh, was at the match the next day or two days later. Uh, he tweeted out four months ago we said goodbye to each other now she is part of my everyday life again with a big heart let the show begin muscles and soccer <laughs> that's the only way i can describe those emojis uh that is great hopefully that's something that helps him settle in even more it's wonderful and you know maybe this is the start of of the rise of jorgensen we've been waiting a little bit but it, it could be the time for him to to truly rise up amongst the, the 
a strong striker core that seems to be moving through these two sides. Yeah, I mean, he keeps scoring goals. I mean, uh, he continues to develop. Um, I, I think he's come along uh, quite well in these last couple months. Fair. Uh, the other news, we finally have a director of Red Bulls Academy hire. We've been waiting a long, long time since David Longwell left the position. That position is finally filled by Sean McCafferty. He is the former uh, FC Barcelona Barca Residency Academy uh, director. He was there since 2016. Did a lot of good work there. Uh, He has two players who obviously graduated from there and did very, very well. The first is Julian Arujo. I'm definitely saying that wrong. I'm sorry, Julian. And Matthew Hop or Hoppy. Again, I'm definitely saying both those names wrong. Probably should have checked before we started, but here we are. Uh, Arujo is playing with the Galaxy and getting time there. Uh, Hoppy signed with Schalke. Those are, are good moves to see, especially from an academy. You want to see them developing good young players who then move on to get uh, action with first teams and recognition from international teams. So this is great, great news. They specifically name drop wanting to create more players like Tyler Adams, Sean Davis, Alex Muiel, Connor Laid, and Derek Etienne. Now, before everyone gets on the whole Connor Laid thing, do remember that at one point... Uh, he was much younger and much scrappier, and Terry Henry said very nice things about him. Yes, he's a little bit older. He's slowed <laughs> down a little bit now, but he's still a great personality for this team. So I, I don't want to hear any kind of late bashing around here. Uh, what do you think of the hire, Joe? Oh. Hey, there he is. Are you there, Joe? Sorry. Hey, there you go. What do you think of the hire? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a great hire. Um, one, this team really takes pride in their academy and have someone come from Barcelona's, uh, academy, uh, local academy that, you know, has done such a good job over there. And, you know, even in the press conferences and even, you know, you know, in the, you know, training, you know, when talking to Armas and Wolniak at training and post-game press conferences, they always talk about their academy, you know, the, how they take pride in it, how they want to build up from the bottom. And I think hiring someone that has produced players and wants to produce guys like Tyler, like Sean, like Connor Lee, and like Derek, um, I think that's something that I think is really something to look forward to. Look forward to. Okay, fair. You got a little bit of, of interesting... Um distortion coming through but i liked it it was a little uh, daft punky <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty good yeah it's definitely good news it's good to see that they finally have someone in place it was clear that that they take their time making these hires just like they take their time making transfers uh mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that they get the right people in now that said they've really struck out on the last two academy director hires hopefully this is a better situation and uh, we start seeing more players graduating through. We know that there's a strong talent pool, but keep in mind, things are about to open up tremendously. Uh, I've continued to hear and uh, hear from fairly reliable sources that uh, the the rules of um, uh, um, what the uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? The the rules about uh, your Oh, man. I blew it. (laughs) Prospects. Thank you. Finding prospects uh, from a specific region are going to be lifted. Regions are no longer going to be associated with the players that you can recruit to your academy and thus uh, be brought in to be eventually signed as homegrown players. Relaxing those regional restrictions is going to give the Red Bulls a chance to get a lot of uh, great talent from around the country that see a path to the pros with the Red Bulls. And it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes moving forward. We also know that uh, they're going to be doing some kind of uh, 
not exactly a residency, but there are uh, players who are going to be coming in and staying with host families. So they're they're really kicking this up and and putting it into gears. So there's some interesting stuff that's coming down the pike, but we don't have all of the answers just yet. Uh, that's it for now. We're going to take a break. That's kind of a long first segment. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Roy Boateng. So stick around. And we're back. I am delighted now to be speaking to a, a guy that we thought we'd be seeing a little bit more of this year. Uh, injuries kind of uh, derailed that a little bit, but we're very excited to have him. It's Roy Boateng. How are you doing, Roy? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, I'm escaping this heat, but <laughs> other than that, it's been good. Yeah, it has been miserable out the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. But one good sign in that time is that you were back out and training. How does that feel? Oh, man, it feels amazing to be back. Um, you know, I've been out for, what is it now, four and a half months now. Um, and it's just such a joy to be back out there on the field. My understanding is you're back maybe even sooner than they thought you would be. Right, yeah. Um, so... Originally, it was supposed to be like a six-month kind of recovery. And, you know, following my last checkup about a month and a half ago, they said that I was like um, a month and a half ahead of schedule. So they sped things up, and now here I am. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Uh, walk me through what that was like finding out when you were first injured and maybe what what you were thinking at the time. Obviously, you are very new to a team that could be – maybe a stressful situation uh, looking in and, and saying, uh, Oh, I'm going to be on, on the bench for a while here, healing up while these other guys are getting their opportunities. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, I found out that I needed surgery when we were in Florida for um, the first preseason trip. And, you know, it is a nerve wracking time for some of your team. Um, you know, I'm meshing with guys connecting, but also like um, wanting to display your talents um, so it was pretty hard news to receive, um, kind of, you know, knowing the extent of the injury and also how long it would take. Um, and at first, you know, it's just like something you're trying really hard to avoid and like trying to find other ways of, you know, uh, playing through it and whatnot. But ultimately it was the best decision. And, you know, now I'm glad that I have it, you know, on the other side of it now. And, you know, what has the season been like for you then to to be sitting there and watching and what what's your takeaway um i mean you know um season's been for the most part in comparison to last year i know um we obviously won the eastern conference and, and that and um so people had high hopes for that in the beginning um and it's been up and down in in the beginning of the season but you know, we've picked up some points, and then we've also dropped some points and picked up some points. So it's it's been it's been good, um, you know, generally. But I felt like, um, and still feel like, the guys are hungry for more um, to kind of you know replicate last season and also do better. So yeah, it's it's a hungry group, a very hardworking group, and you know, we're always trying to be better. Now, I'm not sure uh, what your previous experience has been, but. Uh, looking at the way that that things are kind of falling this season and having to go through these difficult moments, do you see that as as a positive or uh, not necessarily something that will affect the the group moving forward? Because it could coalesce uh, the team to have to go through these sort of trials and tribulations. Um, Sorry, what do you mean by that? I mean, going through difficult moments where, you know, maybe there's inconsistencies or there's errors and kind of having to, to pick up the pieces week in and week out. Uh, dealing with you know depth issues, uh, with guys missing matches for fitness or international you know call ups and stuff, does that maybe help uh, the group come together because everybody has to be relied upon and everybody has to grow at, at the same sort of time? Um, I I, th- I think that you know the team is a very tight knit group to begin with. You know it's very uh, close 
group and yeah, like going through adversity definitely brings a group together. Um, and I think it's shown and it will continue to show, you know, kind of fighting back and getting better continually. Let's, uh, let's journey back to the beginning, uh, as it were, you came to the U S when you were eight years old. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> when did you start playing though? Um, I mean, well, I was always playing soccer before, even before that back in Ghana, um, just, you know, neighborhood kids, like get a ball together and play street ball. Um, but when I came here, you know, I started playing immediately just cause it was a good way to, you know, get out of the house and, um, also make friends. And it, I knew it was something I loved to do. So yeah, that was right off the get go. I signed up for the nearest club, um, back home in Rona park and, yeah, I've been playing ever since. At, at what point did you start to kind of rise up the, the ranks? Was there like a travel team you joined? Did an academy pick you up? Yeah. Um, There's a travel team that picked me up when uh, I think I turned like 14. Um, there was this new emerging like uh, academy called Sonoma Academy. Um, and one of the coaches saw me play and really liked what he saw. So they brought me on and I played with them for about a year and a half and then that um collapsed for some reason so this um other traveling team called Chandler's united um liked me and they invited me to play with them and i had been playing with them since then um till college and you know through that experience did you start to see yourself as as maybe potentially becoming a professional footballer yeah um i mean you know it's always been a dream of mine and um kind of as i kept playing the more um i felt confident in myself and my abilities and you know i feel like it was affirmed definitely through different ways and you know different accomplishments and yeah so you you know at a certain point you kind of get a feel for like wow like i could really do this and um you know yeah the doors have opened up um in a way where i feel like you know now that i'm here i can actually do what I love and, you know, excel at it. So is it still a little bit surreal because you haven't had those moments on the field just yet? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely excited to have my first professional debut. Like that's still, you know, uh, yeah, that's still in the books. And so, um, I, I imagine it's going, it's going to be a, a really good and really exciting experience. So I, I definitely can't wait for that. Have you had a chance to talk to uh, Sean uh, Nealis at all about what it's been like for him? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and he shared his experience too and, you know, how how much of a joy it is to compete at that level. And um, so, yeah, we, we managed to talk a little bit about that, yeah. So with you getting back uh, into, into shape and on the field and, and gaining fitness, uh, what are your expectations for the remainder of the year? Um, you know, I really don't really have like an expectation. I just, I'm kind of taking it week by week, um, you know, setting goals weekly of where I want to be fitness wise, where I want to be sharpness wise. And then, um, when the opportunity presents itself, I know I'll be ready. Um, you know, not only just mentally, but now physically. So, you know, right now it's just getting full fitness and, you know, going from there in the next step and then, getting the games and seeing where that goes but it's it's more of a week-by-week week process fair oh well, i meant to ask you when we were talking about youth soccer did you start off as a defender no uh i actually played forward and um left winger actually <laughs> for yeah. a while uh, i played it until i think i was like 16 or 17 and i think it was at my d camp um uh, the coach that became my college coach at Davis actually suggested I, I uh, try that spot out because uh, he knew I was fast and athletic and um, he wanted me to give that a shot. And, um, I excelled a lot at it, so it, that was kind of the transition for that. But, yeah, I had been playing striker. Everybody, for, uh, ev- my... everybody starts off as a striker. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, you want to score the goals. So. Yeah, exactly. Did you When you moved back to center back, did it feel – like the right place right away yeah i mean <clears throat> that was the kind of the the crazy part is everything just kind of clicked you know 
Uh, you see the field in a whole different way, and it, it just really worked. It worked really well. Um, the first time I played center back and at a high level, um, I think it was at it was at a VIP camp for UC Davis, and I got MVP um, just my first time playing center back. So <laughs> that was positive affirmation enough to yeah. um, you know <laughs> make me explore that position. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Roy, this has been yeah. absolutely fantastic. I'm going to subject you now to the lightning round if you're ready. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Marvel or DC? Marvel all the way. <laughs> Any? Oh, sorry. Uh, Super Mario Brothers or Sonic the Hedgehog? Ooh, I'm a Sonic guy. <laughs> there you go. We we get very few Sonic the Hedgehogs. I feel like everybody always says really? Mario. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, I had Sonic on my uh, Game Boy SP growing up. So there you yeah, go. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who who's your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Favorite team to play as in FIFA. Um, I've been playing with Napoli a lot recently. Um, yeah. I, I um, like you, it. Uh, what was that? I like it. I like everybody's always saying Barcelona, Real Madrid, yeah. Man City. I like hearing <laughs> Napoli. That that's awesome. Yeah, no, Napoli's fun because you know they're like attack minded and they're high pressing and that vibes with me. And uh, and Senior Mertens combo up top is crazy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, this is what I call the Derek Etienne Award. It is. Who okay. is the worst dancer on the New York Red Bulls two? Worst dancer. Uh, wow. Kind of putting you on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> worst dancer. <sighs> That's a tough one. Um man, everyone's generally really good, like at dancing. Uh, You're so diplomatic. This is nice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to throw. Well, like I don't have a problem throwing anyone in the bus, but like relatively, I think everyone can move pretty well. Do you want me to give you a list of who's been named so far, okay, and then yeah. maybe you can pile who's on? Been named. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, Chris Lemma, Reese Buckmaster, Ooh, okay. Kyle Zayats, okay. Janish Luba, Ooh. and Marcus Epps. I'm surprised Marcus is on that list. Really, <laughs> that must be just like a troll answer. But um, okay, I would have to say pro- like probably Kyle Zayak. If I'm iffy on who would be like the best dancer of that group. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Sorry, right. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and we hope that your recovery continues to go well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And when we come back, we're going to preview the game against St. Louis. So stick around. And we're back. We've got our final segment now. We're going to preview the match against St. Louis FC. Get ready, Iron Maiden fans. St. Louis's record on the season is 6-6-6. Six, six, six. The number of the beast. (laughs) (laughs) They are one, three, and one on the season. Two, five, and three. Or sorry, in the last five matches, they are two, five, and three away from home. Their win, which came this past weekend, was against Bethlehem Steel. They won three nothing. Uh, It is their first win since. When do you want to? When do you think, Joe? Uh, since. April. April. Their first win since April. Woof. Wow. <laughs> uh, they beat Bethlehem, as I mentioned, 3 nothing. They lost to the Rowdies 4-1, to Charlotte 2-1, to Swope Park 2-1, to and they drew Loudoun United 2-2 in their last five games. Main goal scorer, Kyle Gregg, with five goals. Russell Cicerone and Sam Fink have four. Kadeem Dakers has three. Caleb Calvert, two. Audie Jepson, Joaquin Rivas, Matt Boehner, Albert Dickwa and Mass Donabal uh, Kasher all have one. Assists, Lewis Hilton is the guy 
uh, getting it done there. He's got four assists on the season. Then uh, the aforementioned Casher has three. Then Greg and Cicerone have two. Thomas Gomez, goalkeeper Thomas Gomez, gets an assist on the year. Uh, Rivas, Matt Thomas, Bradley Camden, Fellu, uh, Guy Abend, and Paris Guy all have one. Lewis Hilton is the guy driving this team forward, by the way. He's got the most chances created with 38. And uh, like I said, they they won their first match since April this past weekend against Bethlehem Steel. They're not a bad team. They can absolutely get things done on both sides of the ball, but something happened. Earlier this season, they were a fantastic team defensively. They really did a good job of keeping clean sheets. They were picking up wins. They were leading the East not that long ago, and since have had a tremendous drop-off. They are now in 10th place, tied with Charlotte. They're in a desperate situation, and desperate teams, as we know, are very dangerous. When you look over this team, the other thing you should mention, Anthony Pulis, uh, son of Tony Pulis, is the manager. He moved away from (laughs) England because of his name. Honestly, that's really what happened. There's an article about it. Uh, he wanted to sort of get a fresh start in the, in the States where he wouldn't be compared to his father constantly. And here we are mentioning his father is not to compare you to him though, sir. Uh, he's got a good keeper in Thomas Gomez. I think his defense lets him down a little bit. They've been uh, a little rough the first three months of the year. Like I said, or not three months, the first two months of the year, they were fantastic. They were defense first. They did a great job getting behind the ball, keeping things organized, and now they're really getting pulled apart a lot. And I think part of it comes from teams breaking lines and pulling players out of position. Um, But part of it is just bad communication, too, and it's difficult to figure out how to solve problems like that. And so they really had a a tough time, but they got a great result against Beth Steele. It was 3-0. They probably could have won by a couple more. They... Uh, started the second half scoring twice in the first five minutes and kept peppering uh, Beth Steele with shots, but couldn't quite get the breakthrough. They're talented offensively, but it's not always working. Uh, Kyle Gregg, who I mentioned before, their top scorer, he is a pain in the butt. Really good striker, great at doing what I would call the Brandon Allen things, taking the ball down in the box, one, two touches, looking for opportunities. He's got a good hard shot with his right foot. He could be dangerous in the air. It's, it's going to be a lot for the Red Bulls to take care of, but at MSU, they usually get the job done. Joe, what are you expecting to see in this match? Um, I'm expecting, you know, I think it's going to be a bit tighter than they than uh, Red Bulls 2-1. I think they're going to be coming off a high from the from the Tampa game, uh, but they're going to have to be focused in this game because they only have three home matches left after this. So this is something that uh, they're going to have to look to try and get as many points as they can at home before they uh, go on their annual road trip in uh, August and September and October uh, to end the season. So I think this is going to be, a, you know, the type of game where, um, you know, Listen, St. Louis, you know, they're I think they're a good defensive team. I think they struggle a little bit offensively. You mentioned Kyle Gregg. He's probably their most dangerous player. But, um, you know, they only they've only scored 24 goals in the year, which out of the top 10 teams in the in the East, they are 10th out of 10. So, I mean, they're I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to try and frustrate Red Bull 2 a little bit. And uh, I think Red Bull 2 is going to have to, you know, you know, again, take their time like they did against Tampa Bay, look for their opportunities, and try and break this team down. Um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to, you know, they're going to be able to because I think at MSU they just seem to have, they just seem to be a much better team when they're at home than they are on the road. I don't know what it is, but they seem to come out, they seem to press very well, they, you know, they, they get turnovers, they're very good in transition, and they just seem to have a, you know, be able to score a lot of goals at home. I mean, they've scored 36 goals at home this year compared and 13 games compared to eight goal or sorry, uh, 13 goals in eight games on the road. So yeah, pretty, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's really unbalanced. Um, what I have liked in previous, uh, in, you know, outside of the Memphis game, I think for the most outside of the Memphis and Bethlehem games, I think their defense has improved. Um, but and they're going to get uh, John Christoph Kofi back this week from suspension, which I think is going to help the midfield out. So I think a lot of things are tilting in Red Bull 2's favor this week. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And it's it's a good time, too, because like we said, they're about to go on the road. It's going to be another tough couple of weeks. Sure, the first one's against Hartford, but don't discount that team. They can be dangerous. They can trouble teams. And if you're if you're not up for any match in this league, just like if you're not up for any match uh, in any league, it doesn't matter the team's position in the standings. They can absolutely clip you and teach you a lesson in respect um let's yeah, let's get a prediction from you what do you think what's this one gonna be um i'm gonna say three one red bulls too i think that's fair i'm gonna call it a two nothing win another two goals for matthias jorgensen he pulls level with tom barlow with 10 goals on the season it will be an interesting photo finish to see if those guys continue <laughs> to play together i would love to see those two guys start up top again i like the two uh forward system i think they did it last week specifically to, to trouble Tampa Bay because they knew uh, having two forwards running at that line could could make them uncomfortable. Uh, John said as much after the match, and it was absolutely true. They found spaces that way. They created problems that way. They weren't necessarily as dangerous as we're used to, but I think a little bit has to do with just the way that Tampa Bay is set up to play. Wow. I got my phone yelling at me. Um <laughs> But uh, all that said, I think it's a 2-0 match, like I said, and Matthias Jorgensen gets his next two goals. Let's switch over to the standings. Tampa Bay still at the top by two two points. Red Bulls got two draws in the last five matches that I think they would like back. That Ottawa and yes. that Memphis game. They should be in first right now. <laughs> Maybe even the Loudon game. They want that Loudon game back, too. Um, <laughs> they do want that. Back. <laughs> uh, they're followed by Indy 11. They're four points back. They have two games in hand, though. Um, North Carolina FC is also on 37 points, but they're even on games played. Then Nashville 35, Pittsburgh 32, Ottawa 32, Louisville 30, Charleston 26, St. Louis FC 24. We mentioned a desperate team in um, St. Louis FC. Listen to the last five games uh, for Louisville. 3 nothing loss to Loudoun. one nothing loss to Beth Steele. A 1-1 draw against Ottawa. And a 1-1 draw against Indy 11. Their only win has, in that time was a 2-1 win over Nashville. They're having a rough stretch of games. It'll be interesting to see where they net out. I still think, uh, regardless of what else happens... It's going to be Louisville, New York Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> Just because I feel like Louisville doesn't peak until I feel like they don't peak until August. I mean, yeah, okay. they they really yeah. like when they came to uh, Montclair last year and beat Red Bulls too. That's when they really started getting going. I think it's going to take them one win to start to get going again, and then they're just that team in the playoffs. They just know they just know how to play teams. They just yeah. seem to make adjustments very well in game, and they. They come out and they play. They 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 play their best at late in the season. Speaking of which, so there's 13 matches left for the Red Bulls too. Are we going to see a home match at MSU for the playoffs? Well, you're going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> boy, they are all right. So they so the team that's closest to them is Nashville, but Nashville has a game in hand on them. Um. And they're and they're six points up on Nashville. I think we're going to see one. I, I, you know what? I, I'm going to actually make a bold prediction on the stretch. I think they will. Um, I think they will win four road games between now and or between September and October. I, I let me check to see how many road games they play. They have quite a few. They play most of what's left is road games. Uh, okay, so oh. one. Two, three. I think they have four they play home six road left. games. Yeah, they, they, they play six road games. They will have four wins out of those six road games between September and October. Okay, that's All my right. that's my bold prediction. That is a pretty bold prediction. <laughs> I am predicting that they're going to get a home playoff game. Please don't mess it up at the end of the year, guys. Um, under the line, tied with St. Louis right now. Charlotte twenty four points. Beth Steele, 22. Birmingham Legion, 22. Loudon, 19. They're slowly climbing the table. They're they're not a bad team. Uh, Memphis, 901, 18 points. Swope Park, 15. Atlanta United, 2, 14. Hartford Athletic, 13. Down there in the bottom, Hartford. Um, out West. 
Oh, look. Phoenix won again. Whoopity-doo. <laughs> they beat... I told you. They beat the worst team in USL West one nothing. <laughs> All right. Maybe not the worst, but one of the worst teams. Come on, Phoenix. I thought you were I thought you were an offensive dynamo. What what is that? No, I'm trying to rile up so, Joe. It's not working. <laughs> Listen, I mean, they even even some of the best te- uh, offensive teams don't have their best games. Uh, I believe they're on the road too. So um you know, it, listen, if they're if they're the number one seed in the West, I don't see anybody beating them. And go going into uh, Phoenix and winning, I just don't see it. Um, we shall I see. think they again. I'm still going to say it. I still think they are the, they are the best team in USL right now. Okay. I don't, and and I think my what I said. Look out. Um, I mean, I I, I wanted to see a, a Phoenix. Uh, Red Bull two final last year, um, but this year uh, it it looks likely. No, I wouldn't want to see that. I want you to continue to think that Phoenix is a good team. I don't want you to see what happens when they come up against the Red Bulls. Um, I mean, <laughs> it would be it would be great to see it, it, it would be great to see Aguinaga and Junior Flemings, you know, back uh, or well, most likely uh, Phoenix is going to lock up number one seed uh, out of all the USL. So. USL Championship, unless we like see. Red I Bulls think, two go or or Tampa or Tampa goes on a run. I, te- I tend to think teams like like Phoenix are peaking too soon if they're looking like this in July, but you never know. You never know. West is is so soft they could absolutely take it. Um, underneath, <laughs> you like that, right? <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't be saying this if they actually if they if the West if the West had won one of the two finals against Louisville City. Uh, you wouldn't be saying this, but they the West the West has lost three years in a row to the East. So four, because um, um, four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was Rochester before that. Um, oh yeah, so four. All right, so they've lost four years in a row. Yeah, but Swell Park is now in the East. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so underneath Phoenix at number one, then Reno eighteen sixty eight breathing down their neck, but they've played two more games. They've got forty one points. Then Fresno FC thirty seven, Austin Bold. That's who's going to win the the West. I'm calling it now, Austin Bold thirty two points. Not that I really think that they deserve that. I'm just saying it. Uh, twenty uh, nine points for New Mexico United. El Paso Locomotive twenty nine points. OKC Energy twenty nine points. LA Galaxy two twenty nine points. Real Monarchs, 28. Portland Timbers, 2, 28. And then under the line, Sac Republic, San Antonio, Orange County, Las Vegas Lights, Rio Grande Valley, uh, Colorado Springs Switchbacks, Tulsa Roughnecks, and Tacoma Defiance. Tacoma has remained a single point ahead of Hartford for being the worst team in the league. Uh, They are currently tied for last with, or uh, second to last, rather, with Atlanta United, too. Anyway, they did win. I'll still say I'll say Tacoma's Tacoma's probably the worst team in the league. Tacoma won midweek against Las Vegas Lights, baby, four-one. It was great. Um, yeah, look, uh, we talked about those standings from fifteenth to fifth in the West is separated by six points. It's just so volatile; it's impossible to figure out how that's going to shake out right now. It's not worth even trying to figure it out. And if you go higher up the standings, it's not by that much more. It's uh, an additional three more points. So it's 12 points separating. Is that right? No, I did the math wrong on that. No, I'm right. Uh, No, I'm not. It's nine points separating. (laughs) Jesus. It's late, guys. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got no excuses. Nine points separating 15th to 4th in the West. That's, West. that's just crazy. Totally crazy. <laughs> if the team in 15th place doubled their current point total in the East, they could go up to 5th, but that would be 18 points. So that tells you wow. how much more set in stone the East is right now than the West. And uh, that's it. I got nothing else I want to talk about. Do you? Nope. All right. I think that's it. Let us get the heck out of here before I try to do more math and look like a fool. 
if you want to follow us on <laughs> Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Jstein15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's on Twitter. You can follow our work at rbnn.us. That's the Red Bulls News Network. We were the first to break the news about the hiring of Sean McCafferty. We were able to do stuff like that from time to time. You guys should check it out if you're not already. I got a feeling if you're listening to the show, there's a good chance you've been to RBNN, but who knows? Maybe you don't. Give us another chance. Uh, we love you. You can also find us at facebook.com slash raisingbulls. You can go to raisingbulls.com where we post all of our episodes. You can even send us questions there to questions at raisingbulls.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Find us, rate us, review us. It helps. It really does mean something to us, and we will love you for it. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, covering MLS, USL, uh, Premier League, NWSL, you name it. They got tons and tons of great shows like rising as one mongols play the kids 1868 weekly down in the valley old glory red report st louis soccer report texas soccer radio the unused substitute and tornado alley and so much more they've got a ton of great content including written content and podcasts at bgn.fm go check it out it's the beautiful game network and of course we'd like to thank our sponsor golden gold press the best choice for you to get custom shirts hats mugs and other items for just yourself or your organization check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com last but not least i want to thank our sponsor roughneck scarves the official scarf supplier of mls usl and u.s soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com for myself for mr joe steen and of course roy boatang thank you so much and have a great night Don't clap, you're driving. Park, I'm on a red light.